When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kenneth Vigue. The holiday season has returned once more, and with it, our yearly Fallout for Hope community fundraiser for the kids of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. This year, we've done something special, bringing together a frankly ridiculously talented and well-known cast of video game voice actors to perform an original Fallout parody of Gene Shepard's classic stories and more well-known movie, a Christmas Story. Written by Dave Volkmar and myself, this story picks up after last year's A Christmas Carol, with veteran voice actor Wes Johnson returning as Lord Alistair Olivier. Broadcast directed by Casey Baker, this three-hour romp sees the gang trying to recreate a movie from memory, and considering it's been a quarter century without TVs or movies, just how reliable is that memory? We are joined by iconic actor, voice actor Paul Eiding as our narrator, best known for the voice of vault rep in Fallout 4, Colonel Roy Campbell in Metal Gear, and Max Tennyson in the Ben 10 franchise. Jan Johns will be joining us as Mother Parker, who started her Fallout career with Fallout 3, voicing characters like Lucy West, Clover, and the forever Nuka-Cola-loving Sierra Petrovita. John St. John, the definitive voice of Duke Nukem, will be joining us as Flick. Danny Shirago, best known for the voice of Hancock the Ghoul in Fallout 4, is joining us as Schwartz. Alan McLean, best known for the voice of GLaDOS from Valve's iconic Portal games, is joining us as Miss Shields. John Patrick Lowry, best known for his voice of Sniper in Team Fortress 2, is joining us as Scott Farkas. Peter Jessup, the voice of Paladin Dance in Fallout 4, is joining us as Captain Cosmos. Bill Lobley, best known as Sparks in Adult Swim Sea Lab 2021, and Stanley Poole and Jeremiah Fink from the Bioshock series, is joining us as the radio announcer. Chip Jocelyn, the voice of Graham the Super Mutant in Fallout 76, is joining us as Grover Dill and Swede the Neighbor. We're also joined by child actor Benjamin Plasala, seen on HBO's Big Little Lies, Showtime's Shameless, and also who voiced characters in the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, Minions, The Rise of Gru, and Disney Pixar's Turning Red. He's joining us as Ralphie. He's also joined by child actor Reese Becker, most recently seen in the movie Terror on the Prairie, as kid brother Randy. We're also joined by newcomer Matt Bartlett, and Bethesda's Pete Hines returning once more, who will be playing Santa Claus. Yes, I know, right? From our cast, Alexander Luther, Kevin Chenard, Dr. Mark Houseworth, and Clint Winbury, join us for this tale. If you're watching this on Spotify, you'll have the benefit of seeing the actual video from the live broadcast. 
So butter up that popcorn and tuck in by the fire. Tonight, Chad, a Fallout 76 story, proudly presents a Fallout Christmas story to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. In a time yet to come, in a parallel place, where we harnessed the atom and said, more of this in literally everything, please. The width and breadth of Appalachia sits beneath gray-leaded skies, snow-bearing clouds still haunted by the memory of what they used to herald. 
The holiday season has returned once more to the world where time ran out one October. And while calendars become fluttering relics and clock hands lay lifeless, the world kept turning. And yet, as we've seen before and will again, hope is found. As a plague was conquered, the flying queen was laid low. And last year, one traveling band of post-apocalyptic performers found themselves confronted with the true meaning of the season. For their stalwart leader, Lord Alistair Olivier, their tour through Appalachia last year performing Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol would be a life-changing event. Following their performance for the Rat King of Columbus and the Iron Tribes of Atlanta, their caravan turned northward once more to return to what remains of Broadway. As they passed through Charleston, West Virginia once more, and the holidays approached, one night before crackling fire surrounded by friends, a casual discussion of the great sparkling Christmases of the old world ignited the seed of a long dormant memory. From it, inspiration blossomed, and a rare collaboration was struck between the aristocrats at the White Spring, the vault dwellers, and even the new enclave in the bunker. Television, that tube glowing bastion of information and entertainment that delivered soul-warming holiday stories of love and hope every year, would and must return to Appalachia. On the grassy banks above the Charleston River, concrete was poured, and brick was laid by enclave control bot and human hand alike. At last, as Christmas approached, four letters were hoisted into position. W-S-A-Z, a faithful recreation of West Virginia's first television station, long since lost in the Christmas flood disaster. We join them now on the day before Christmas Eve, as Lord Alistair desperately tries to recapture a story he barely remembers from boyhood. As we'll discover, the rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia are rather unreliable narrators. We're really thrilled you could join us, uh, Mr. Hewitt. Been loving your radio broadcasts. We've been picking up out of Cleveland. Oh, thank you, thank you. The, the, the first new radio and TV station in the last quarter century since the bombs dropped. <laughs> How could I say no? You get in all right. You came with Mr. Gross, uh, Fairbanks, the Chance, and his wife Lucy. Yeah? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. We ran into some trouble out in Point Pleasant with these cultists and an anthropomorphic giant moth. Typical day in the wasteland, am I right? <laughs> All things considered, this is a better place than most to put down some roots. Let me introduce you to everyone. Up here in the booth is, is Baker and Bartlett. Hey, hey, the man with the golden radio voice. Love your league. Whoops, it's gone. A pre-war nostalgia show. <laughs> Why, thank you. Thank you. That story about the exploding two-headed cow... Oh, I have to know, was that... Not now, Baker. This is Bartlett, one of our techs. Uh, pleased to see me. I, I I mean, um, nice to meet me. Oh, God, stupid, stupid. You said you'd be cool, just a person like you, like me, just puts on pants the same way. <laughs> uh, 
What? He gets nervous around celebrities. Let's leave him be. We lace his coffee with Carmex. He'll be fine. <laughs> well, hi there. Oh, God. Quick, this way. Uh, why are we in the room cupboard? That's uh, Brian. He's a conversation trap. And that is... Someone you make the mistake of talking to in a party and end up not being able to escape for the rest of your life. Coast's clear. Let's go. Uh, hey, uh, when are we getting uh, scripts? An excellent question. Ah, our own Miss Cordelia. Be with us since the early days. Uh, this, can you just drop the mist and call me Cordelia in, in your... Oh, my apologies. Uh, Hewitt, John Hewitt, hi. Oh, I've heard of you. You're that radio guy. <laughs> uh, guilty as charged. Welcome aboard. Look, Tarquin, unless you want me hiding a script in the cookbook, I need it like yesterday. He's polishing it. Again? We're on, like, what, the 128th script revision? 130th, actually. Uh, isn't that a little... Uh... Obsessive? Yeah, as I said. Welcome aboard. Zoodles! Hey, there's my favorite Brit. Top of the morning, governor. Don't, don't do that. This the uh, radio guy for the show? Name's Crankfist. Uh, wait, you hired a raider? Whoa. Lower your detected volume there, microphone mic. I'm only a raider on my mother's side. Oh, uh, was that your, your dad's side, Appalachian? Nah. Chameleon. Because he vanished on us. <laughs> I mean... So anyway, see you around. Tarquin, when are we getting the final... Script. Uh, I know. I know. Soon. Hewitt, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, hang on. Didn't we... Yeah, six years ago. Easter, that vaudeville showdown in Atlanta over the Red Skulls. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Fisk. Uh, Car uh, Carl Fisk. What a wild night that was. Uh, uh, you still touring with that talking death claw? Nah, he headed out west after the robo-brain swarm with Mr. Bill's Atomic Freak Show. Last I heard, he was shacked up with the Yak Woman. <laughs> what? Oh, here comes trouble. Well, I know I packed it. You must have moved it. I didn't, Darius. You probably left it back in Jersey. Look, just hide the script in something, Lucy. It, it's not like we have to impress anyone here. If we get two super mutants and a raider tuning in, that'll be something. When's the last time you've seen a living ophthalmologist, Joe? They aren't exactly god-mode commando builds. More like a super mutant buffet in the early days. I'm not going to be able to read the script without my glasses. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'll hold up the cue cards. Big letters. And I absolutely, positively won't take artistic liberty with them. Yeah, lost your glasses, Lucy? Joe didn't pack them. It's true. I did it on purpose. Our marriage is one based on small conquests. Game, set, and match. Your move, dear. Hey, Tarquin, what's the deal with the script, man? I have revision 21, and Cordy's got revision 120-something. We doing this or what? It's 24 hours to airtime. I know, I know. Look, Alistair tried that robo-brain hypnotism thing to try and dredge up the details of a movie he barely remembers from when he was a kid. But that didn't work, so went a little experimental. What do you mean experimental? 
We hired a former Robco industry scientist, Dr. Emerson Hale, who modded up a tranquility lounger to reformat his memories and output them in a script form. We've been merging the changes by hand. Who cares about the finer details? This is the first television broadcast in a quarter century. I could dance in a hoop skirt and they'd eat it up. This is incredibly important to him. Oh, I know it's frustrating, truly, but I, I promise you this, this will be something we'll be proud of when it's done. I've got it! I've got it! God Jiminy, I've finally got it! Right, speak of the devil. Happy Christmas Eve, all. Sorry for the delays, but this time, I think I've finally got it. Completely forgot about the meeting Santa Claus bit. Uh, John Hewitt. Hewitt! Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled you can join our, our merry little band here. <laughs> absolutely thrilled. I saw some of your work with the Living Theatre, and oh, it was great stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Tarquin uh, introduced everyone. Well, but yeah, the, the whole crowd, uh, even there everyone is. <laughs> You're silly gooses. Oh, God. Pardon me, Mr. Olivier, but I was referencing the original architectural blueprints of the WSAZ building that was destroyed in the Christmas flood, and it appears that the foundation base block in the lobby is off-center by 10 degrees, a shift that is less than aesthetically pleasing. Do you know that the art of aesthetics elaborated after 1750 derived from... Not now, Brian. Oh, <laughs> okie dokie. Ah, before I forget... The head waiter in the restaurant scene on Christmas Day. Did you find someone for that yet? Ah, right. No volunteers. No one wanted to roll. Well, cast it, dear boy. Cast for it. It needs to feel authentic. It's a pre-war restaurant. A sumptuous repast. Well, there must be someone around here who knows a thing or two about meal preparation. Jesus Christ, I'm a jetpack! Quickly, arm yourselves! Brian, don't ever waste our best. Same day, maybe, or not. You never know. Me neither. You want meat? But no, jolly Bobo. She didn't know for sound. <laughs> well, hi there, Graham. Oh, hello, Brian. How is Mary Ann? <laughs> Just ducky. Uh, pardon my bluntness, my tall green friend, but just who the hell are you? This is Graham, one of Appalachia's few homicidal atomic horrors. I see. Uh, did you say meats? Graham, so meats. Meets all kinds. Meet week soon. You come. We make lots of food. You make good kills. Bring me prime meats, choice cuts. Grab make meal for all humans. Even take meat to go. Bus walking foods. Fried meat, roast meat, charred meat. Stone meat, pushy meat, crispy meat, 
Pressure mate. Thank you, mate. Yes, he's perfect. I don't think we have anything in his size. Scratch that. Toss it right out. I'll, I'll change the scene. Uh, rotten meat. Icky meat. Yes, yes, yes. We get the picture, my fine fellow. Here, why don't you follow your friend uh, Brian over to Studio B and we'll get you uh, paid and prepped. It's way, Graham and Shally. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> cow patty. <laughs> What on earth was that? Uh, there's a fender bender in front of the building. Two anti-personnel-looking limos just pulled up and rear-ended each other. <laughs> Excellent! That would be our little stars. Your driver is a credit, Wilkins. Always nice to work together again, Lyons. How's your mother and family? Is she still shacked up with that raider in the Commonwealth? How dare you! Can somebody direct me to my trailer? I've had a taxing day on the road. These are supposed to be kids? Yes! Uh, uh, Matt Ryan, so you remember his work uh, in the off-Broadway pantomime of Communism! Be gone! This is our little ensemble, is it? Oh, aren't you adorable! <laughs> I'm Cordelia. I'll be playing your mom. You'd do well with less time in the sun, kitten. You'd be better cast as my grandmother. Ha! Huh. Adorable. I can't wait to shove a bar of soap in your mouth tomorrow. Why not rehearse now? Which one of you is my personal assistant during this production? Darkwood here can see to anything you need. Magnificent. I've made a list in alphabetical order. Okay. Uh, this is... I'm, I'm sorry. My alert cakes hand cut into shape of dinosaurs. Oh, def never mind that. Now, everyone, attention, please. This show will be the crown jewel in my career and in the history of our troupe. Tarquin, I want you to oversee every aspect of production. Yes, sir. We will own Christmas. This production of Fallout Christmas story. <laughs> so jokingly named from the uh, radioactive fallout that blanketed the land and unleashed radioactive horrors upon us all. Well, it is very personal to me. A long way from here, and oh, so many years gone now, the very last Christmas I would spend with my family before the Great War, we visited a movie theater. Oh, that night burns bright in my memory of a film. It's now long since lost to ruin in time, and despite my best efforts to find a surviving copy, alas, none seems to exist. After our little Appalachian tour last year, well, it, it changed me, changed me forever. I, I decided that we as... as Torchbearers of all that came before, because because we lived here and there, have the capacity to resurrect this timeless holiday classic as we remembered it, to share a message of hope, of love, and the undying nostalgia of youth with what remains of the world. God, it's one of those big speech production people. 
I've agonized over the details, trying desperately to remember every minute scene, word spoken, and, and, and finally believe we have yanked it from the recesses of my mind and laid it to paper for the first time in over two decades. <laughs> Tomorrow, our pink night. Oh, give it your all. We are about to make his story. All right, all right. Get to work, everyone. Uh, Twenty-four hours to showtime. Uh, I, I, I may just uh, tweak a few more things. Eh? Oh, come on, man. I'm, I'm going to the Waywood for a drink. If anyone needs me, don't. Hey, hey, I'm, uh, I'm gonna get settled. You know, uh, pitch in with the uh, set building. Sounds great, mate. Cheers. Lamont, Lamont, come in. How are you making out with a satellite hookup? Damn. Hello? Can anyone hear me? Hello? You sent me on this stupid suicide mission to rig up a relay at the National Isolated Radio Ray. It would have been just swell if someone had told me this place is crawling with super mutants. Yeah? You want some more, you bitches? I like them tarberries. Is it done? Did you finish the connection? Yeah, yeah, I put the whatever in the dinglebob what's it and threw the damn switch. We've got a satellite hookup with Telstar 8. That thing hasn't talked to anyone in a while. Ask for someone to please shoot it out of the sky and end its existential silent drift through the star field. So I uploaded a copy of Nuka Tapper just to shut it up for a bit. Gave it something to do. Right. Um, what's his broadcast range? It's been knocked around up there by space junk. Best we can do is all of Eastern Seaboard for anyone who just happens to have a TV on, staring at static for whatever reason, which is probably five people. Really worth the effort. Look, just wrap it up and get back here. Olivia wants to do a final rehearsal before life. ridiculous as last year. Oh, damn. Super Mutant Behemoth. Log Lamont. Lamont. Right. Well, good. Five seconds till we go live. Yeah, we did a Christmas carol last year. Let's hear your tiny Tim. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Adorable. Your tiny Tim was mundane and derivative. Your handler still sewing your name in your clothes. Drink toilet water and mutate trash. <laughs> Golly gee, a live broadcast. Isn't this so festive? You can practically feel the Yuletide spirit in the air. And go, Mr. Hewitt. Tonight, live on WSAZ, a Christmas classic, Sir Alistair Olivier's immortal all-out Christmas story. Ready to roll titles. Roll titles, and then give me a slow pull-out. And lights up on camera two.
Clarksburg, West Virginia, 2047. A small podunk town sticking like a barnacle to the hole of the eastern seaboard. Locked in a death grip for dear life, like so many in a time of advanced robotics, unimaginable atomic power, and a penchant still for vinyl records for some odd reason. Surrounded by steel mills, churning out Mr. Handy's, storage depots for nuclear waste, and a near cut with railroad tracks. An unsafe and hazardous playground if ever there was for a kid to call home. We still had snow in those days. Cold, merciless winters intercut with an occasional acid rain to spice things up, or at least melt the driveway part way. It was early December, the first blizzard of the year, roaring down out of the Canadian wilds and slamming into the worn hills of Appalachia like a missile from God knows what country. In these strange times, you had your work cut out for you. Not to survive, no, that was still pretty easy, but to survive and be happy? To have the American dream? Well, in God we trust, all others pay caps. Everyone had their car, their house, a new robotic servant with an oddly British demeanor that some found unpatriotic. But things were starting to get weird. Radiation was everywhere. Strange talk of war and un-American activities proliferated the airwaves. People sometimes looked at each other funny. But none of that mattered to a 10-year-old boy because Christmas was only days away. Lovely, beautiful, glorious Christmas, around which the entire kid year revolved. Downtown Charleston was prepared for its yearly bacchanalia of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Higby's department store's corner window was traditionally a major high-water mark of the pre-Christmas season. It set the tone the motif of their giant Yuletide Jubilee. Kids were brought in from miles around just to see the window. Old codgers would recall vintage years when the window had flowered more fulsomely than in ordinary times. This was one of those years. The magnificent display had been officially unveiled on a crowded Saturday night. It was an instant smash hit. First-nighters packed earmuff to earmuff, their steamy breath clouding up the sparkling plate glass, jostled in rapt admiration before a golden, tinkling panoply of mechanized electronic joy. Ah, there it is. Amongst tickle-me-ella talking dolls and chugging toy trains going nowhere fast, in all its glory... The Captain Cosmos M42 Fat Man Tactical Nuclear Catapult. The Holy Grail of Christmas gifts. It was a good year. Maybe even a great one. Like a swelling Christmas balloon, the excitement mounted until the whole town tossed restlessly in bed and made plans for the big day. Already, my own scheme was well underway. A scheme whose Machiavellian brilliance and Olympian perseverance made that Christmas stand out among Christmases past. I remember clearly itchingly, nervously, maddeningly, the first time I laid eyes on it. 
pictured in a three-color smeared illustration in a full-page back cover ad in Scout's Life. Captain Cosmos, his jaw squared, at least I thought so beneath that helmet, staring out at me manfully and speaking directly to me eye to eye. In his hand was the neural stock of as beautiful, as coolly deadly looking a piece of weaponry as I'd ever laid eyes on. Boys, are you tired of bullies pushing you around over on Earth? What if you could get rid of them forever, just like the brave soldiers of your great nation? This Christmas, tell your parents you want my whiz-bang-new Captain Cosmos M42 Fat Man Tactical Nuclear Catapult. Yes, lads, this is it. Your chance to own an official replica Captain Cosmos M42 Fat Man Tactical Nuclear Catapult. This fine weaponry would make Captain Cosmos proud. It'll make you proud. Your dad proud. Your mom will hate it beyond comprehension, but it'll make a mighty swell Christmas gift. Make a swell Christmas gift. Make a swell Christmas gift. Make a swell Christmas gift. A swell Christmas gift. Here was Captain Cosmos himself nailing me, his pal Ralphie, with his calculatingly demonic underplay. Knowing full well that it was not merely a swell Christmas gift, but THE Christmas gift. The quintessential Christmas gift. The holy grail of Christmas gifts. For the first time in my life, the initial symptoms of genuine lunacy, of mania, set in. Save us, Ralphie, for your mother's sake. Don't worry, Dad. As long as I got old Blue, my trusty fat man. Parker family, you were warned of my wrath should you fail to yield to my superior villainous intellect. Now you shall face the consequences. Aye. All right, Parkers. I don't know who told you would face my wrath if you didn't. What? But... What the hell are you doing? Uh, Harrison the Parker family? No, you're not. Do you see me? Standing here, doing just that? I'm the villain of this delirium, not you. Oh, shucks. I get the day wrong again. It's Thursday, right? Tuesday, Bart. It's Tuesday. Now get lost, come back later. I've got a speech teed up here. Oh yeah, well you got a big speech teed up, but it ain't no different than my speech, you darn brain cuss. Sorry about that. Back to one, people. Now, where was I? Oh yes, Parkers, you will rule the day when... Oh crap, is that old blue? Run for your lives, boys! See you later, fellas. Say hello to Old Blue. Alright, Ralphie. You win this time. But mark my words. I shall return. Next Tuesday. Bart's on for Thursdays and Saturdays. You saved us, Ralphie. You saved us. We were all goners, Ralphie. And you saved us. Me and Old Blue with the MIRB attachment and this thing that goes ding? Of course. There were some that didn't want me to have Old Blue. 
They look down in abject humiliation under my stern but kindly reprimand. The truth had smote them. Randy! Randy! Downstairs in two minutes! And I'm meaning two minutes! Mothers know nothing about creeping marauders burrowing through the snow toward the kitchen where only you and you alone stand between your tiny, huddled family and insensate evil. There was no question about it. Not only should I have such a weapon, it was an absolute necessity. Race memories of kid plots through the ages began to surge through my cortex into conscious strategy. My mother, grabbing for her copy of Live and Love, would find herself cleverly euchred into reading a Captain Cosmo sales pitch. Ralphie! Randy! On the double! Oh, son of a bitch! They want to trade Murtaugh! I, I don't believe it! What was that? Well, for Christ's sake, the, the socks! They want to trade Murtaugh for some Texan nut! Well, they haven't won a series in almost 200 years, and, and they think now's the time to get rid of their best pitcher in 50 years? Ah! My fevered brain seethed with the effort of trying to come up with the infinitely subtle devices necessary to implant the Captain Cosmos M42 Fat Man Tactical Nuclear Catapult indelibly into my parents' consciousness without their being aware that I had planted it there. Glick says he saw some irradiated Yelk wine near Pulaski's candy store the other day. My parents looked at me as if I had mire lurks crawling out of my ears. I could tell I was in imminent danger of overplaying my hand. Well, hurry up. Time for school. Yeah, I'm running late already. The old man headed out into the biting cold. Round one was over. Parents won. Kids zip. I could feel the Christmas noose beginning to tighten. Maybe what happened next was inevitable. My mother, innocuously scouring a used oatmeal pot, suddenly asked out of the blue... Why my defenses were down. Ralphie, what would you like for Christmas? Horrified, I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Captain Cosmos official made M42 Batman tactical nuclear catapult. Oh. I was dead. Even before she opened her mouth, I knew what was coming. Oh no. You'll blow up the neighborhood. It was the classic mother blow up the neighborhood block. That deadly phrase many times before by hundreds of mothers, was not surmountable by any means known to kid them. I had really booted it. Batman, Batman, whichever, it's dangerous. No one anybody atomizing a neighbor's house or our own. <laughs> the last vestiges of the fight left me. I needed a better plan. A tactical retreat to evaluate the damage my mania had already wrought. Outside was the usual morning symphony of screams and fisticuffs. Get out of here, you dumb fuckers! My blessings! Get your friend Dissip the bull rats out of my yard! Get it up! Get your sister out here, Jim! Get him, get him! Don't, no! Don't you talk to me like that, you give it a hunchback slot-toed fartball mugger! Flat damn phone in a fusion fleet on Whoa! Oh, oh, flat damn fusion fleet on throws it up again! Some men are Baptists, some are Methodists, others Catholic. My father, 
was a fusion flea man. Hold oh, it, you shiver a bit of pizza and freeze up in the middle of summer on the equator. Little pictures. My old man was one of the most feared furnace fighters in Appalachia. People in northern West Virginia fought winter tooth and claw bodily, and there was never a let up, not in coal country. Everyone else had long since switched to fusion, but our house was still heated by a coal-fired furnace old enough to be depicted on tablets unearthed up in Moundsville by Vault-Tec U. Hold it! <laughs> and with that coal country war cry, my old man was off down the basement steps, knocking over ball jars and kicking roller skates out of the way, bellowing. Don't blessed furnace got out again that day gum twinking brothers sort of my All right, you two. Out the door in three minutes. My mother planned these tactical retreats whenever my father was about to go into combat with the Iron Dragon in the basement. In the heat of the battle, my father wove a tapestry of obscenity that, as far as we know, is still hanging in space over Spruce Knob Lake. Preparing to go to school was like getting ready for extended deep-sea diving. Long johns, corduroy knickers, checkered flannel lumberjack shirt, four sweaters, fleece-lined leatherette sheepskin, helmet, goggles, mittens with leatherette gauntlets. You could practically survive a nuclear blast in so many layers. Though it wasn't recommended, one did wonder. Um, what? Oh, Ma, we'll be late. Just, just wait, Ralphie. What is it? I can't put my arms down. Just put your arms down when you get to school. In Appalachia, sometimes solutions are very practical. Sadistic, painful, but practical. No, no. There was no question of staying home. Cold was something that was accepted back then, like air, clouds, and parents. A fact of nature, and as such, could not be used in any fraudulent scheme to stay out of school. My mother would simply throw her shoulder against the front door, pushing back the advancing drifts and Stone Age ice, the wind raking the living room rug with angry fury for an instant, and we would be launched, one after the other, my brother and I like astronauts into unfriendly space. The door clanged shut behind us, and that was it. It was make school or die a frozen death. Scattered out over the icy waste around us could be seen other tiny, preferred jots of wind-driven humanity, all painfully toiling toward the Warren G. Harding School miles away over the tundra. All of us were bound for geography lessons involving the exports of Peru, reading lessons dealing with fat cats and dogs named Spot. Hey, Fleck! Wait up! Wait up! What you doing? What's it look like I'm doing? Picking goobers? Hey, listen, smartass. I asked my old man about sticking your tongue to radioactive crap in winter, and he says it's still radioactive. Just like I told you, cold doesn't make a difference. 
Ah, baloney! What would your old man know about anything? He knows because he once saw a guy stick his tongue through a radiation barrel in January, on a bet. And the fire department had to come get the guy after his tongue burned off and he grew a third arm. I think he's right, Flick. Aw, oh, jeez, you guys are real suckers for anything. My brother says that's an old wives' tale, and so does my mother. Yeah, well, she's an old wife, all right. She ought to know. <laughs> Good morning, class. All right, class. Open your readers to page 32. As you remember, we left off on the passion fruit famine of 2044. Modern history, though it was, how was this? Oh, listening to Miss Shields talk about economics was a surefire way to get an overactive child's mind, such as my own, into the fertile territory of imagination. Normally, this would involve various escapades of daring do with pirates, brigands, or any other wild characters. But today, my mind was only on one thing. The manic bubbling of avarice would not subside. As I was saying, class, the passion fruit famine led to an all-out galactic war between myself and the villainous Dr. Zorba. With the M42 Fat Man tactical nuclear catapult atomizing his villainous particles to the four vectors. Isn't that right, Ralphie? Huh? Ralph! Sorry, Miss Shields. Can you repeat the question? Yes, Ralphie. The question was... Yeah, well, your old man is pulling your leg, and you're too dumb to know it. All right. I dare you to lick it. Lick the petrified scorched. You'll freeze up solid. Yeah? Yeah. Anyone else wondering what this is or where it came from? Such questions came up from time to time in a world plagued by radioactive waste, but in true American fashion were often forgotten quickly. In the jungles of Kidnam, gears shifted fast. Says who? Says me. Oh, yeah? I double dare ya. Oh, I... The exact exchange and nuance of phrase in this ritual is very important. One misplaced, oh yeah, or says who, could immediately destroy one's credibility, demolish one's argument, and subject the luckless offender to immediate and prolonged ostracism. All right, I dare you again. Oh yeah? I double dog meat dare ya. Now it was serious. A double dog meat dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares. The sinister triple dog meat dare. I triple dog meat dare ya. Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. Flick's spine stiffened. His lips curled in a defiant sneer. There was no going back now. Ah, uh, this is dumb! I'm not gonna do it! Chicken! No offense, Schwartz, but the thing is radioactive. So? It ain't gonna hurt us. Watch! Jeez! It really works! Sorry! Go home! 
Uh, there's the bell. See you, jackass. But the bell rang. In those days when the school bell rang, you went. Neither sleet nor snow nor radioactive tongues stayed your headlong flight to your desk. Flick's predicament was no exception. Where is Schwartz? Schwartz? Schwartz who? Did anyone see Schwartz at recess? Well? Schwartz! Why were you late from recess? Sorry, Miss Not Us. I think I touched something nuclear. Nuclear? You mean radioactive? Yeah, I don't feel so good. Well, you don't feel well, you mean. Yes, Miss Mathers. Stop saying that. It appears you've suffered a catastrophic dose of radiation. Mutation has set in. Fear, eating, and heart. A typical symptom. Take your seat, Schwartz. <laughs> now, what exactly happened? Who put Schwartz up to this? It hurts inside us. Well, as a lesson to all of you, we will now have to watch Schwartz mutate into a horrible abomination of radiation for science observe we uh, now Schwartz sit quietly I will continue I know this was some prank gone horribly wrong and now poor Schwartz is forever changed adults love to say things like that but kids know better we knew darn well it was always better not to get caught even if your friend ended up a radioactive, hive-mind-plague-riddled monstrosity. Not only did you suggest this awful thing, but even worse, you left him there all alone in the cold. Now, don't you feel terrible? Don't you feel remorse for what you have done? Now, that is all I'm going to say about poor little Schwartz. Open your notebooks, boys and girls. I'm going to give you an assignment. I want all of you to write a theme. A theme? A rotten theme before Christmas? There must be kids somewhere who love writing themes, but to a normal, air-breathing human kid, writing themes is a torture that ranks only with the dreaded medieval chin-breaker of inquisitional fame. A theme? Entitled... What I want for Christmas. The clouds lifted. I saw a faint gleam of light at the other end of the black cave of gloom. Here was a theme on a subject that needed talking about. Already, a masterpiece was unfolding in my mind. I want you to be particularly careful about margins. You will hand in your themes tomorrow, and I don't want to hear excuses. Now, Open your spelling books to page 21. 
Boy, did you see how quickly he changed? Did it hurt, Schwartz? <gasps> Boy, you were balling. One of us. Ah, baloney. Wait. <laughs> Scott Farkas. What a rotten name. We were trapped. There he stood between us and the alley, him staring out at us with his yellow eyes. He had yellow eyes, so help me God, yellow eyes. He was wearing a possum hat, an actual mutated possum for a hat, slung low over his non-existent brow, resting on his ears which flared out like toadstools. His lips curled over his green teeth in a semblance of speech. I turned in a blind primal panic and started for the fence at the end of the alley. No hope. There, curling up like a venomous Cheshire cat, was Scut's fierce little toady, Grover Dill. We had had it. The lines were clearly drawn. You were either a bully, a toady, or one of the nameless rabble of victims who hid behind hedges, continually ran up alleys, and ducked under porches. Randy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. Hey, where do you think you're going? Me? Say uncle! 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 Cry, baby! Cry! <laughs> Scott was a running nose type of bully. His nose was always running, even when it wasn't. Alright, who's next? <laughs> I did not know one kid who was not afraid of Scott because Scott was truly aggressive. This kind of aggression later in life is often called talent or drive. But to a great, formless herd of kids, it just meant a lot of running, getting belted, and continually being ashamed. You better run, you jerks! I was an accomplished alley runner who did not wear sneakers to school from choice, but to get off the mark quicker. I was well qualified to endorse Ked's champion sneakers with. I have outrun some of the biggest bullies of my time wearing Ked's, and I'm still here to tell the tale. It would make a great ad for Scout's life. Many of us have grown up wearing mental Ked's and still ducking behind filing cabinets, water coolers, or into convenient men's rooms when that cold sweat trickles down between the shoulder blades. But for now, I breathed easier. That you, Ralphie? Randy? Ralph? Stop right there. Are you running a temperature? No. But you're drenched in sweat. Come on, stick out your tongue. Uh... Mothers have an innate sense of when something is wrong, but it can often be fooled with the right dosage of half-truths. She could sense fat man mania still, but I had disguised it with a dutiful sense of education. Uh, I gotta do my homework. Go on, and then change out of those wet clothes or you'll catch your death. Yeah, yeah. No good, we'll come with this. <laughs> Rarely had the words poured from my $5 pencil with such feverish fluidity. I remember to this day its glorious winged phrases and concise imagery. What I want for Christmas is a Captain Cosmos official M42 Fat Man tactical nuclear catapult with an MIRV attachment in this thing, this bell that goes big. I think everybody should have a fat man. They are a very good Christmas present. I don't think a football is a very good Christmas present. I was very careful about margins. 
I knew that when Miss Shields read my magnificent, eloquent theme, she would sympathize with my plight and make an appeal on my behalf to the powers that be, and everything would work out. Somehow. I reread my magnum opus and recall the melodic orchestration of Mozart's Andante suddenly being played by dust motes drifting in the late afternoon sun shining through my window. Captain Ahab and his crazy thing about the white whale had nothing on me. I wanted that fat man so bad it was making my stomach hurt. As I stared at my comic bookshelf, I fixed on Captain Cosmos winking at me from the rack, his golden helmet gleaming, facing off again with his evil archenemy, Dr. Zorbo. Spent from writing, I drifted off into a dream of spaceships and madmen once more. At last, Captain Cosmos, I have you at my mercy. I think not, Dr. Zorbo. As we speak, Jangles the Moon Monkey is sabotaging your vile machine. There is no hope for you, Captain. I will now proceed to destroy the planet Earth with my Turbo Xenon Space Balloon with its deadly sea gamma rays. Zorbo, we Earthlings will survive forever. You... In mere moments, the nuclear rays will rain down on these carnivorous plants, awakening their deadly spores that will fall upon and slowly devour you. If only my faithful companion Ralphie were here. <laughs> Ralph, foolish captain. I am immune to the meager damage by his Christmas football. Who hurt you? Enough, stupid earthling. It is time now to destroy your foolish planet. Farewell, Captain Cosmos. <laughs> Never fear, Ralph is here. Ralph, you're alive. You escaped the space crocodiles. Yes, Captain. They were no match for my M42 Fat Man. Now it's time to act. Death to Earth. Death to Earth for unspecified plot purposes. Take that, Dr. Zorbo. No! The end of Zorbo for sure. You've done it, Ralph. You've saved all Earthlings. You have saved our planet. All Earthlings will be forever in your debt. I know. Here, I'll untie you. You know, Ralph, it's good you came along. Things were getting weird. The mother villain named Bart and Sorbo were having scheduling issues. Publishers! I'll get your demplicit on pants out of my yard! Oh! Your mother, you humpback hugglestin fighter! The Taylors, a quiet family who had lived next door to us for years, had moved out, and without warning, the Mumbleses had tunneled up. In an instant, the entire neighborhood changed. There were hundreds of Mumbleses, odd-looking mole miners all, and they all moved in when we least expected it. 
Overnight, what had been a nondescript bungalow became a battered, hinge-sprung, sagging hillbilly shack. And then there were the mole rats, anglers, and all manner of mutated monstrosities, at least 745 of them. Now, our neighborhood had always had dogs walking around, ordinary dogs with names like Zero or Prince. The Mumbleses, on the other hand, walked a churning mass of tails and tongues and flea-bitten bodies. You could almost see the smell. And they ignored every other human being on Earth but my old man. Every time he set foot outside, the whole tidal wave of heaving flanks and bloodshot eyes would descend on him. The trouble was that half of them were trying to lick his face, and the other half were trying to take off his leg. He'd fight them off by hand. By hand, I tell you. Legends are still told as far south as Beckley about the Parker Uppercut. Those days were the golden age of the newspaper contest, and the old man was a giant jackpot puzzle contest junkie. There was an endless parade of Name the Presidents, mystery movie stars, famous figures in history, and how many mistakes are there in this picture, all offering $50,000 giant jackpots. For the cost of a two-bit newspaper, countless millions struggled nightly to hit the jackpot. Every evening, the Charleston Herald was spread out on the dining room table, paste pot handy, scissors and ruler, pen and ink at the ready. The old man clipped and glued, struggled and guessed, and now the payoff had come. I won! I won! But what? What? What is it? A major prize! A, a major prize! I, I won! I won! Look! 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 Tonight... It's coming tonight, 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 tonight. Oh, ha, 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 damn, tonight. What What do you mean? Tonight. It's coming tonight. I, I called Ernie McCloskey down at the freight office. It, it's there. Oh, he's going to send it out tonight. Well, the telegram was late. The prize is already there. It'll it'll probably be one of them fancy condos over at the, at the White Springs Resort. Oh, that's one of their big items. Or it could be a bowling alley. Guy down in Terre Haute won a bowling alley. <laughs> but how could they deliver a bowling alley tonight? Well, they, they could deliver the deed, for Christ's sake. I mean, I didn't think they were going to deliver the whole damn bowling alley. <laughs> well, oh, it's going to be a while. Let's eat. I'm starving. Getting rich is hard work. Randy, eat your food. Don't play with it. <laughs> Every family had a kid who won't eat. In our case, it was my brother. Starving people would be glad to have that. Now you eat. Oh, gee. Do what your mother tells you. Pass the red cabbage, huh? Oh, gee. Now, I'm going to give you something to cry about in one minute if you don't quit playing with your food. Now, you, you just stop fooling around and eat that or, or, or you're going to be sorry. You could see that my mother had not had a hot meal in about 15 years. Meatloaf, meatloaf, double meatloaf. I hate meatloaf. All right. I'll make the damn kitty. Where's my screwdriver? Where's the plumber's helper? I'll just, I'll just pry his mouth open and stuff it in. My mother, though, was more subtle. Uh, Randy, how do the little piggies go? Oink. My brother was deep in his three little pigs bag, 
He had a little golden book, and it was his favorite heavy reading material. That's right. Oink, oink. Now, how do the little piggies eat? <laughs> well, there's your chop. Show me how the piggies eat. <laughs> Be a good boy. Show me how the piggies eat. That's gross. Jesus. I'm a little piggy. <laughs> It's here! It's you! What was here? $50,000? Fame? A trip to the moon? The end of the rainbow? We didn't know. We all dashed to the door like rabid wolves. Frank Parker? Yeah? Sign here. Well, what is it? How the hell do I know? I just deliver them. Okay, boys, haul it in. The old man, his face flushed with excitement, fumbled in supercharged haste to lay bare his hard-won symbol of victory. Why? God, oh, there could be anything in here. Aren't you going to open it? Before us, in the heavy, fragrant, cabbage-scented hall, stood a life-size monstrosity of taxidermy. An unholy combination of multiple heads, noses, dull glassed eyes, and razor-sharp antlers with red glowing noses that I'm fairly certain had the radioactive output of a fusion reactor. For an instant, we thought that we had received in the mail the work of an artist of the type that would later be found out to be a serial murderer. We stood silent and in awe at the sheer shimmering unexpected horror of the major award. What is it? Five. God, it's beautiful. Oh, God, but what is it? Well, it's dear, like a statue. A statue? <laughs> Our family had never owned a statue. A statue was always considered to be a lady wearing a wreath and concrete robes, holding a torch in one hand and a book in the other. Yeah, oh. a statue. Yeah, a statue! We want a statue! We want a statue! Um, it, it, oh, isn't it time for bed? <laughs> My mother was trying to insinuate herself between us and the statue. It smells like rogue kills. Well, I mean, it's the real deal. That... Is 100% Appalachian Red Stag right there? I mean, it's probably done by one of those big-time New York City artists, you know, abstract uh, object dart. Ah, uh, it's profound art, sweetie. <laughs> Maybe we could put it in the shed. It's staring at me funny. Do you know what that is? We didn't. It was established by my mother's horror-stricken face. Holy smokes, I don't... Would you look at that? Oh, I don't believe it. What? It's a lamp! It was indeed a lamp. A masterstroke of the perverse. It was, without question, the most terribly magnificent lamp that we had ever seen. Ha ha! Ah! Ah! Here's a boot! And the bulb! Oh! My God, ain't that great? The old man's eyes boggled. He was almost overcome by art. 
Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe we can put it in the shed for now. <laughs> I don't like how it's looking at me. What a, what a great lab. I mean, what, wow. Well, this is exactly what we need for the front window. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> Get the extension cord from the toaster. Oh, let, let's plug this thing in. The snap of a few sparks, a quick whiff of ozone, and the lamp blazed forth in unparalleled glory. From hooves to antler, the grotesque bulbs radiated a vibrant, sensual, luminous red nimbus of pagan fire. Oh! Oh, would you look at that! Just look at that! Hey, wait, hey, wait, I want to see it from the outside. We outside? The old man dashed out of the office as if it was on fire. Move it a little to the left. No, okay, okay. Hey, Parker. What is that? Well, not now, sweet. I'm busy. You're not pitching in early on the neighborhood lights and display contest, are you, Parker? <laughs> lights and display contest. Good grief, man. No, 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 no. It's a major award. I won it. You won that. Yes! Mind powers. It's hideous. Looks like roadkill. A patient down at the Trans-Allegheny Asylum did up with lights and arts and crafts. Nah, get lost, sweet. And another thing, you know, I wasn't thinking of doing the kind of cheap, tasteless, over-commercialized holiday lights that you subject us to every year, but you've gone and con me. We'll just see about that. Are you done yet? But yes, yes, you that's got it all. Oh, you ought to see it from out here. The entire neighborhood was struck with obscene fascination. It could be seen up and down Cleveland Street, the symbol of the old man's victory. My mother was truly on the horns of a dilemma. Look at the time. It's nearly time for somebody's favorite program. <laughs> Holy smokes, she was right. The only thing that could have dragged us away from the soft glow of perversity gleaming in the window would be the soft, smoky voice of any boy's true love other than his mother. Every day at 6.45 when I was a kid, I'd drop anything I was doing, no matter what it was, and tear like a blue streak through the alleys, over fences, under porches, to get home to our Radiation King model radio. Oh, could that shadowy figure fighting the forces of evil be? It's the mistress of mystery. Ah, they don't write tunes like that anymore. Who can forget it? Immediately after the nightly adventure, which usually took place near the headwaters of the dreaded Orinoco, on would come a guy named Pierre André, the definitive radio announcer. Fellas and gals, get set for a meeting of the Mistress of Mystery Secret Circle. Okay, kids, time to get out your secret decoder pin. Time for another secret message direct from the Mistress herself, Two members of the Mistress of Mystery, Secret Circle. All right, set your pins to B7, 7, 22, 19, 
Eight. Forty-nine. Pierre-André could get more out of just numbers than Orson Welles was able to squeeze out of King Lear. Do you see how its eyes follow you? It's unnerving. The stage was set. This slowly evolving ballet of the lamp was to continue for days, gathering momentum night after night. But for the moment, I was oblivious to all but my mistress of the radio. Okay, fellas and gals. Over and out. Then, silence. The show was over. And you had a sinister feeling that, out there in the darkness all over the country, there were millions of kids decoding. Somewhere kids were getting the real truth from the Mistress of Mystery. The message. And I had no pin. Yet three weeks ago, I had corralled the necessary Nuka-Cola caps and mailed away from my decoder pin. Day after day, eon after eon, I waited. Waiting for three weeks for something to come in the mail to a kid is like being asked to build the pyramid single-handed, using the number three erector set, the one without the motor. Anyway, I was skunked for another day. Good morning, class. Please turn in your themes. One by one, like mountain goats, we scaled her desk, crouched, and laid a paper bag with a neatly folded paper inside. An Appalachia education tradition that I'm fairly certain, when shared with outsiders, would result in excommunication at best, sacrifice at lucky whole mind at worst. I had done it. There could be no doubt that this theme would absolutely overwhelm Miss Shields. Not only was the Captain Cosmo's fat man irrevocably mine, but I began to envisage that Miss Shields, in her ecstasy, would excuse me from theme writing for the rest of my natural life. I once again drifted into a lucid dream of sheer holiday excess. Ah! Dribble! F! And what's this? Ah! Uninspired! F! And another! Woe unto me for reading such mundane thematic prose. F. 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 <laughs> Ralphie, eh? Oh. Oh. My. What I want for Christmas is a Captain Cosmos official M42 Fat Man Tactical Nuclear Catapult with an MIRV attachment and this bell that goes ding. Such prose. Such poetry. <laughs> Ralphie. A plus, plus, plus. Yay, Ralph. That's my friend. That hero is my friend. <laughs> Oh, it was nothing. Thank you, thank you. Just talented, I guess. Oh, no, thank you. Ralph? Ralph! What? Yes. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. You can sit down now, Ralph. Yeah. A day passed filled with times tables and yet another chapter of Charles Dickens, and we bundled up into the cold, preparing to mount the dangerous, death-defying solution my spendthrift old man had to the excess of a family station wagon. A rite of passage for every boy on Cleveland Street was seeing if we could tip the trailer that qualified as a fusion flea backseat onto two wheels, 
without ending up in traction. I was 2-0. and oh. Well, if we don't hurry, all the good trees will be gone. Okay, well, let's go then. Ralphie, Randy, in you go. Hold on. Well, what, why is the lamp off? Oh, we don't want to waste electricity. Oh, we don't want to waste electricity. Ugh. It was one of those rare nights when the air was crisp and clean and so cold that the Mubbles' horrors wouldn't even come out from under the garage to chase my old man. And we were off on one of the great adventures of the year, selecting the Christmas tree, and then a ride around town to see the Yuletide splendor. Buying the Christmas tree was always only after long and soul-searching discussion. These days, finding one that was once sucking soil and water and not made from space-age industrial byproducts was my old man's greatest Achilles heel. Look at this one! A great big shiny one! No, 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 it's, it, it's all wrong! Christ, it, it, it's like I'm standing in some kind of blasted art exhibit. And, uh, the people that make these things forgot how to have a... A fun, old-fashioned family Christmas that are satisfied with shiny, lifeless, overpriced metal trees that have no special meaning. Looks Dad says these aluminum ones are the only way to go. Yeah, Rick also thinks Christmas is some kind of big commercial racket run by a big Eastern syndicate like vault It's going on about listening devices in the foil hat, weirdo. Can we go home yet? My tomes are numb. Not yet, honey. Good evening, folks. Good evening. In the market for one of the Rob Cool U5000s? Oh, U5000 is unbelievable. Oh, good evening. Do you still make wooden Christmas trees? Make? Make? Heck no, lady. You don't want one of those bare spot needles everywhere. You want one of these babies. Hot paint, metallic green. 50-year guarantee, 100% fire retardant. No fuss, no muss. But haven't you got any uh, good old-fashioned living... Breathing trees, you know, a, a big tree, a big one, not one of these you, you, pipe cleaner metal horrors. Sure, sure, Mac, I got you. Old fashioned, traditional. Now, this one right here is our evergreen deluxe. But this one already has decorations on it. <laughs> but you can just take them off. Take them right off. Hang your own. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, hell, you're right. Now, this ain't no treat. Now, here is a treat. <laughs> Dad, oh, look at them antlers. I can't feel my legs. Is this the kind where the needles fall out? No, that's them balsams. Well, I don't know. Isn't it a little big? Mom, I can't feel my hips. Honey? Not while I'm hankling. <laughs> Randy's frozen from the waist down. Well, it's all part of the experience. Uh, shut up, Randy. Uh, uh, what else have you got? This little green one here seems to need a home. I think it needs us. Oh, would you look at that? Oh, what kind of tree is that? I don't think it fits the modern spirit. Well, that thing? Just a gaff, really. How much? You serious? Well, is it for sale or not? I see you're a man who knows his tree, so I'll throw off a hundred bucks for you. Four hundred even? This is a great tree. My old man loved bargaining more than a roaming trader, and he was twice as shrewd. <laughs> you know, I heard the Joneses just bought one of those new palm tree plastic lamp trees. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, 
Dear God, no. Damn thing looks like a Hawaiian holiday nightmare. Can't be any scarier than your big prize, dear. Ugh. All right. I'll knock off another 50 bucks and toss in an inflatable snowman. 50% chance of inflation. You got a deal. What do you think, Ralph? I think it's swell. Randy? He'll see it later, dear. His eyes are still frozen shut. Ah, uh, stim packs were in the car. Uh, come on. Let's go. As we drove through the chill December streets, the old man careened around curves while Mother acrobatically tried to balance the dangerously fishtailing trailer. We passed the gingerbread-like houses of the wealthy, the up-and-coming, and the well-passed cane. Christmas lights festooned porches and garages. Santa's, in the finest American-made plastic, stood rosy-cheeked and forever waving. We nearly tipped on Elm Street, passing a choir of Christmas carolers that looked like they broke into a costume shop and robbed blind the Victorian section. Religion had gone full-blown commercial, and I loved every glittering bulb of it. In the midst of our jingle-belling three-wheeler open trailer sleigh jaunt, disaster struck. Oh, not again. <laughs> Four minutes. Four minutes. Time me. Actually, my father loved it. He always saw himself in the pits of the Indianapolis Speedway. Ralph, why don't you go help your father? Can I? It was the first time it had been suggested I go help my father with anything. Ah, 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 come on, you little bob. Hot stickle. Fight for it. My old man's spare tires were actually only tires in the academic sense. They were ground. Yes, and they had been once made of rubber, but by the time they were in the dark bullpen of the car's trunk to be used as spares, there was so little tread on them that the old man used to say you could read the want ads of the Herald right through them. What the hell are you doing? Mom said I should help. Oh, yeah? Yeah! All right. Well, I'll hold this hubcap. Oh, no, 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 not like that. How? Like this, then. Good. Now, now I'm going to put the bolts in it. For Christ's sake, don't move it. Hold still. Good, good. There, we got it. Doggone. Oh, son of a girl! The old man's arm shot out, hitting the hubcap in my hands. For one brief moment, I saw all the bolts silhouetted against the lights of the traffic. And then they were gone into the snowbank, under the car, down the ravine, into the abyss. Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. I said the word. The big one. The queen mother of dirty words. The F dash 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 word. What did you uh say? Uh, 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 uh. That's what I thought you said. Go on. Get back in the trailer. Go on. It was all over. I was dead. What would it be? The guillotine? Hanging? The chair? The rack? Mere child's play compared to what surely awaited me. Everything go all right? <laughs> Eight minutes. Huh. Huh. Uh, well, do you know what your son just said? No. What? Well, I I'll tell you what he said. Your son said, uh, 
<laughs> Randy, get over there. Go, go, dip, dip. He said, No. Yeah. me. <laughs> After a while, I'd got to be quite a connoisseur of soap. My personal preference is for Lux, but I found Palmolive had a nice piquant after-dinner flavor, heady, but with just a right touch of mellow smoothness. A Braxo, on the other hand. Are you ready to tell me? The truth now. Where did you hear that word? Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, and he was a master of it. But I chickened out and blurted the first name that came to mind. Schwartz! Schwartz. Sure, why the hell not? Oh, I see. My mother picked up the phone and quickly dialed the Schwartz residence. <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> Young Mr. Schwartz, is that how you were raised to talk to your elders? It hurts inside us. I need to talk to your mother, please. We Yes, your mother, Schwartz, right now. Oh, <laughs> you're in trouble, mister. Hello, Mr. Schwartz. Yes, fine, all things considered. Um, <clears throat> uh, Mrs. Schwartz, do you know what Ralph just said? <laughs> well, no, no, he, he said... <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> and do you know where he heard it? <laughs> oh, from your son! Another shot of mysterious, inexorable official justice. All right, rinse up and go to bed. I'm glad you finished your homework this afternoon because I want you to put the light off and get right into bed, mister. Fine. Oh, no, no, I know reading comic books. <laughs> You're being punished. I'm gonna come up and I wanna see that light on. Now, don't you give me that dirty look. Get right into bed. There is not a kid who didn't believe, vaguely but insistently, that he'd be stricken blind before he reached 21, and then they'd be sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Flick. Thank you, Schwartz. It burns. <laughs> Thank... Well, I thought you might be getting tired of the same old stuff, so I got you this topiary cat. Why? Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. You can sit down now. Yeah. Grover Dill and Scott Farkas were just another of the hostile elements of nature, like the wind and the snow and the boogeyman, and as such, could be tolerated. But the agony of waiting for the days to pass so I could receive my theme in triumph was unbearable. I was nearing madness. 
but we are given that which we need to survive. Everything comes to he who waits. There are few things more thrilling in life than lumpy letters that rattle. Even to this day, I feel a wild surge of exultation when I run my hands over an envelope that is thick, fat, and pregnant with mystery. I ripped it open, and there it was. My simulated gold plastic Mistress of Mystery decoder pin with a knob and my membership card. Be it known to all and sundry that Mr. Ralph Wesley Parker is hereby appointed a member of the Mistress of Mystery Secret Circle and is entitled to all the honors and benefits occurring thereto? You may now call yourself Novice Mistress? <laughs> Signed Shannon Rivers, the Mistress of Mystery. Countersigned, Pierre André, in ink. Honors and benefits, already at the age of nine. My excitement mounted. Running waves of goose pimples rippled up and down my spine as I hunched next to the radio. A pause. A station break. Oh, could that shadowy figure fighting the forces of evil be? It's the mistress of mystery. Yeah, yeah. Let's get on with it. I didn't need all this jazz about smugglers and pirates. I sat through the mistress's perils, hardly hearing a word. On comes, at long last, old Pierre. He's one of my friends now. I am in my first secret meeting. What's that? Nothing! Be quiet! Mom! What is it, Brandy? Ralphie's keeping secrets. Uh, I'm trying to, anyway. Ralphie, share with your brother. Remember, Santa's always listening. Tonight, the Mistress of Mystery Hour is brought to you by Pop's Bubblegum. Ten out of ten dentists recommend sugary sweet Pops bubblegum for stronger teeth and gums. And that's not all. They make swell stocking stuffers. But don't take it from me. Here, all the way from the North Pole, is Mrs. Claus to tell us all about it. Good evening, Pierre, and good evening, boys and girls. Mrs. Claus! If she was Mrs. Claus, I was Captain Cosmos. Just last week, that same voice was pitching Radium 35 skin care to my mother during Gertrude Smith's Homemaker Hoedown Hour. Have you been good boys and girls this year? Maybe. I'll bet you have. Kids, Santa sent me down from the North Pole with a very special message this holiday season. He's worried about your teeth. Now, don't you worry. Santa has all the goodies set aside for you for your stocking. But make sure to tell your mommy to ask Santa for his special Big Pops Bubblegum Holiday Pack available exclusively at Higby's. Big Pops is a toothsome dainty with a refreshing blast of flavor that lasts and lasts. And best of all, you can blow blockbuster bubbles in five delicious flavors. Cola, grape, strawberry, watermelon, and original. Perfect. So remember, tell your mom right now to visit Santa at Higby's while you still have time. Because if you don't hurry, if you don't tell your mom right now to get down to Higby's, Oh, your time will run out. Santa will have something more than coal for you on Christmas Day, you hear me? 
We see you when you're sleeping. We see when you're awake. Mom! Madison Avenue had gotten savvier during wartime. Randy fled from the room, screaming to heckle my mom. I was made of sterner stuff. Thank you, Mrs. Claus. Okay, fellas and gals, get out your Dakota pins. Time for the secret message for all the regular pals of the Mistress of Mystery. Members of the Mystery Secret Circle. All set? Here we go. Set your pins at B12. My eyes narrowed to mere slits, my steely claws working with precision. I set my simulated gold plastic decoder pin to B12. All ready? Pencil set? Old Pierre was in great voice tonight. I could tell that tonight's message was really important. Seven. Twenty-two. Thirteen. Nineteen. Eight. I struggled furiously to keep up with this booming voice, dripping with tension and excitement. Finally. Okay, kids. That's tonight's secret message. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow for another thrilling episode of The Mistress of Mystery. Ninety seconds later, I'm in the only room in the house where a boy of nine could sit in privacy and decode. My pen is on my knee. My Indian chief tablet on the other. I'm starting to decode. I spun the dial, poring over the plastic scale of letters. Aha, B. I carefully wrote down my first decoded number. I went to the next, 22. Again, I spun the dial. E. The first word is B, E. 13, S. It was coming easier now. 19, U. I'm in here, scram! Oh, come on, Ralphie. I gotta go. Go outside. Mom, Ralphie's hogging the bathroom. Ralphie, hurry up. Randy's gotta go. I'll be right out, Ma. Gee whiz. S-U-15-R-E. Be sure. A message was coming through. Excitement gripped my gut. I was getting the word. Be sure. 14 8 0 Be sure to what? What was the Mistress of Mystery trying to say? Rousey, come on! Almost there. My fingers flew. My mind was like a steel trap. Every pore vibrated. It was almost clear. Yes. Yes. Be sure to drink your Nuka-Cola. Nuka-Cola? Want me commercial? Son of a bitch. I went out to face the world, slightly wiser than before. Every kid has a moment in their lives when the magic bubble of the world pops and we're left with tasteless chewing gum. Put that in your stocking, Mrs. Claus. Downtrodden, I let my nose carry me to the kitchen, the haven for all things good and bountiful during the holiday season. I hoped dinner would bring relief. Maybe there would be a surprise. What's for dinner? Your favorite. It wasn't. Red cabbage? Again? Red cabbage. My old nemesis. I didn't even bother to look in the oven where the perpetual meatloaf sizzled. My mother was hanging over her sink, swabbing eternally with her scrubbo pad. If mothers had a coat of arms in those days, it would consist of crossed plumber's helpers, rampant on a field of scrubbo pads over a shield of the, in the shape of an abroxo box. Did you wash up? Yeah. 
Downstairs, my old man parried and jousted like a medieval knight, battling our black smoke-belching dragon of a furnace. The noble act tarnished a bit by a litany of obscenity so colorful, my mind substituted the cursed words for utter nonsense. Oh, you filthy sicken who carried a gold Oh, Okay, yes, okay. <laughs> what happened next was rather a family controversy for years to come. With an emotionless 500-yard stare I hadn't seen since that albino rad stag in the road we came upon last Christmas, my mother, watering can in one hand and a 10-gauge shotgun in the other, drifted into the shadowed living room. Oh, you... Lord! Monday noodle, you old stock and shift a busk a snort tongue dumb flannel like lemon longer snuffled still got in front of What was that? What happened? What well, wasn't me? I didn't do it. Oh no. Oh What happened? I heard a gunshot. What broke? There it was. The shattered spine under the coffee table. The cracked, well-turned ankle under the radio, that voluptuous poem of maddening pulchritude, split open like a rotten watermelon, its entrails of insulated wires hanging out limply over the rug. The blue haze of gunpowder haloed my mother's head like a crown. She, the picture of innocence. Um, I don't know what happened. I was watering the plants and was cleaning your gun and it went off, and I broke your laugh. Don't you touch that, you old... Oh, you are always jealous of that lamb. Jealous? <laughs> of a plastic whatever? <laughs> You're jealous because I won. That's ridiculous. Jealous? Jealous of what? Jealous of what that? This is the ugliest, most unsettling, stuffed, mutated lamp I have ever seen in my entire life! Now it was out, irrevocably. Get the glue! We are out of glue. Oh, you used all the glue on purpose! The old man stood quivering with fury, stammering as he tried to come up with a real crusher, managing only... Hat in hand, and fending off mutated horrors, with a roar and a puff of black smoke, my old man tore off down the street, drifting onto the sidewalk in a homicidal quest for glue and deliverance. Come on, boys. Knees and elbows. Time for dinner. We're not waiting for Dad? Why, yes, Ralph. You can help me with the dishes. Come on, Randy. A red cabbage meal later, I heard the trash can crashing, tires squealing return of the fusion flea. Like a force of nature, the old man tore back into the house, rushing to his ruined lamp like a field medic. To this day, I can still see my father wearing his hat, swearing under his breath, gently cradling the shattered remains of a woman's boot mounted to the shattered hide of that animal, a Freudian image to make Edward Albee's best effort pale into insignificance. 
time and again. It looked almost successful. Then he would remove his hand slowly, and the legs would spring up and sail across the room, and the whole thing would collapse. Soap suds dripping from my hand from the sink, I stared. Randy made cow noises while wearing soggy red cabbage like a hat, while my mother, seated in his chair, chewed thoughtfully but triumphantly. With as much dignity as he could muster, the old man gathered up sad remains of his major award. Later that night, alone in the backyard, he buried it next to the garage. Now, I could never be sure, but I thought I heard the sounds of taps being played gently. The next day dawned with yet another marathon run through the alleys with Grover Dill and Scott Farkas mysteriously missing. We entered the schoolyard almost giddy with good fortune. A holiday miracle. Hey, come over here. I want to talk to you. Found something that belongs to you. He's got Randy. Randy? Randy who? Perhaps. Let me go. Let me go. Rafi, I'm going to tell my mom on you. Leave him alone, Grover. Come on, man. Sure, sure. You can have him back. If you can kick the football through that open window over there. What? That's Principal Shepard's office. Ralphie can't kick that far. Right, Schwartz? <sighs> I can't, Grover. I, I, I gotta go see Miss Shields. The audacity of this ploy stunned everyone. Myself, most of all. There was no retreat, however. I knew I would pay later. You, get over here. I'll hold the ball and you can kick it. Ordinarily, if Dill so much as said hi to you, you felt great and warm inside. But mostly, he just hit you in the mouth. Apollone! <laughs> you must think he's the stupidest person alive! Hold it? Huh, you'll pull it away, and I'll land flat on my back and kill myself. But it's almost Christmas. What's that got to do with anything? Well, one of the greatest traditions of all is the street Christmas Day football game. And the biggest, most important tradition of all is to be kicking off with a football. You think I'm going to mess with tradition with Santa watching? Randy whimpered, and Grover Dill smiled, the picture of perfect innocence. Before me, the pigskin glistened in the morning frost. Scott Farkas's eyes squinted. I tensed. This time, I'm going to kick that football clear through the window and to the moon. Ah! At the last moment, the ball vanished. Farkas fluidly moving it behind his back, a move so slick you'd think he was Houdini. My foot, soaring through the air, continued arcing, and down I went, a sack of potatoes on the hard earth, my pockets spilling. Some traditions just slowly fade away, kid. <laughs> Here's your present. How? I'm telling. Seething with a murderous rage, I gathered my pride and spilled pockets and marched into the school. A broken man. All right, class. I have your Christmas themes for you. I'm pleased. They were generally very good. I held my breath as the papers came down the row. I imagined Miss Shields was restraining her praise in deference to the ordinary intelligence of my classmates. Very good. Good. Uh, very good. Not so good. Watch those margins flick. A D? Oh man! Uh, Schwartz? Yes, Miss Mathers. 
I'd love to set up a parent-teacher meeting with your mom, dear. I have some concerns with this theme. Uh, you wrote the word meat and mushroom clouds in blood. I'm not entirely sure that's in keeping with the holiday season. You didn't even say what you'd like for Christmas. Right. Ralphie, here's yours. Expectantly, I slowly unfolded the blue line paper upon which my magnum opus had been written. The hopes and dreams of a lifetime laid to paper for my mother and father and all the world to see. At last. At last. C plus? Oh, no, no. That can't be. It can't be. My first impulse was that obviously a mistake had been made. But then I saw it. It leaped off the page and around the room and fastened itself leech-like on the back of my neck. Yes? You'll blow up your neighborhood? My mother had gotten to Miss Shields. C plus. Ralphie. There could be no other explanation. Was there no end to this conspiracy of irrational prejudice against Captain Cosmos and his patriotic weapon of mass destruction? I gloomily watched other happier kids who were all going to get what they wanted for Christmas. Despair settled over me like a 300-pound lady sitting on my head. My gaze drifted to the window. The clouds broke, and a ray of heavenly light shined upon the paper, smiling face of... Santa! I'll ask Santa! Furiously, and while still holding on to my inspiration by the throat, I penciled my plea to that spirit of Christmas, the big man himself, number one, the head honcho, the connection, Santa Claus, Chris Kringle. Night falls fast in northern Appalachia. Snow was drifting softly through the feeble yellow glow of the distant street lamps, while around me unbridled merriment raged. I had all but abandoned hope, and Santa was my last chance. I wasn't prepared for what happened next. Hey, loser! How'd you like your snowball sandwich? <laughs> oh, man. Perfect hit. For the second time that day, my belongings lay strewn out on the ground, including a swiftly sogging message of hope. Hey, what's this? Dear Santa, you, you kidding me? Oh, man, the kid still believes in the fat red guy? <laughs> Give that back. Listen to this. You're my last hope, Santa. All I want for Christmas is an official Captain Cosmos M42 Fat Man Tactical Nuclear Catapult with an MIR reattachment and this neat bellicose thing. You want to know a secret, little man? There ain't no Santa Claus. Never was. <laughs> Somewhere deep in the recesses of my brain, a tiny red-hot little flame began to grow. There is two! Give me that! Eh? What are you gonna cry now? Come on, cry, baby, and cry for me! Come on, cry! <laughs> By this time, my red demon had grown to man size and came exploding out of my eyes and ears and mouth. Bravery does not exist, just a kind of latent nuttiness. But something had happened. The fuse blew, and I had gone out of my skull. 
I have since heard of people under extreme duress, speaking in strange tongues. I became conscious that a steady stream of obscenities and swearing was pouring out of me as I screamed. You dirty, wrong time duty! You good, you'll be sick and not dead. Uh, smelly what, posture? Uh, shelf, bread the house, stick a fight for you. Ladder, push that grafter, damn hopper. Here, here. Ralphie, Ralph. Ralphie. That's all. There was a funny look on her face. At that instant, all thought of Scott Farkas disappeared from what was left of my mind, and all I could think of was the incredible shame of that unbelievable tornado of, of obscenity I had sprayed over the neighborhood. Come on. We're going home. I got into the house in a daze. My mother put water on me in the bathroom, pouring it over my head and dabbing at my eyes that were puffed and red from the hysteric bedlam of battle. Now, you'd better go in and lie down on the day bed. Take it easy. Just go on in. Lie down. He, he said Santa wasn't real. Who did? Gut Farkas. Oh, he did, did he? You go in there and calm down. Write a letter to the Charleston Herald and leave it on my nightstand. We'll just see about that. <laughs> Randy? Randy? Where are you? I'm here. Randy, what's wrong, honey? Daddy's gonna kill Rosie. No. No, he's not. It's too. Daddy's gonna kill Rosie. No, I promise you, Daddy is not going to kill Ralphie. Now, do you want to come out? You want some Nuka-Cola? Here's some. It's frosty and delicious. Yeah. Yes, please. The light was getting purple and soft outside. Almost time for my father to come home from work. I was just lying there. I heard the car roar up the driveway and a wave of terror broke over me. He'll note what I said. All the awful things that I'd said. Ralphie, supper's ready. Come on. Well, what happened today? Anything exciting? Oh, not much. Ralphie had a little fight. A fight? Well, what kind of fight? Oh, you know how kids are. I had to give him a talking to. Uh, by the way, I see that the Bears are playing Green Bay on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Sudok has tickets. <laughs> well, wish I did, but, oh, you know, well, he's going to freeze his keister off out there anyway. <laughs> I slowly began to realize that I was not about to be destroyed. From then on, things were different between me and my mother. I laid awake in my bed all night with the glowing realization that all was not yet lost. There was one last hope, one appeal as yet untitled, one glorious, maddening ray of cosmic sunshine that had not as yet shone forth. Santa! I lost Santa! In person! Now, it is well known that foolish men stuff themselves with pillows and other such devices and run around ringing bells in the street in order to siphon off some of the Christmas largesse. But it is equally well known that the real Santa Claus can be found at Higby's Department Store in Charleston. And this is the official Court of Last Resort. 
The next evening, we found ourselves amongst the throngs of people jostling together in the last euphoric blitz of holiday spending. Okay, now you two, stay together and go see Santa. We'll be right back. We'll see you soon. Stick together. Watch out for, you know, weirdos. Right. Well, I mean, all kinds of whack jobs out there nowadays. Hold your brother's hand, okay? Stay together. You got that, Ralph? My father always called me Ralph when he wanted to pass the buck on to me. And I always fell for it like the nine-year-old rube I was. Yes, sir. Come on, Randy. The line waiting to see Santa Claus stretched back at least to Watoga. And I was at the end of it, and closing time of nine o'clock was racing nearer. It was not easy to disbelieve fully in Santa Claus because there wasn't much else to believe in. And there were many theological arguments over the nature of, the existence of, the affirmation and denial of his existence. This belief was naturally buffered by the various oddities in West Virginia. I knew a kid who swore up and down that he was personal friends with the Flatwoods monster. We weren't close, but the beliefs still helped. Most of us were scoffers. But moments before zero hour, with the air pulsing to the strains of We Three Kings of Orient are, and the store windows garlanded with red and green wreaths, and the toy department bristling with shiny, flexible flyers, there were few who dared to disbelieve. The atheists among us grew moodier and less and less sure of themselves, until finally, in each scoffing heart, was the floating, drifting, nagging suspicion. Well, you never can tell. It did not pay to take chances, and so we waited in line for our turn. <laughs> Hi there. I'm Brian. I like Santa Claus. This was definitely a weirdo. I delivered a curt but dismissive response. Yeah, sure. Of course, some of us were easier marks than others. Those types tended to fall for used car sales pitches, electoral promises, and military recruiters. If Higby thinks I'm working one minute past nine, he can kiss my... Oh, ho, ho, ho! Come up on Santa's lap! Oh, there's a wet one! <laughs> and what's your name, little boy? Billy. And what do you want for Christmas, Billy? I want a talking Ella doll from Robco, damn it. Well, that's weird, but okay, get this kid off of my lap. Ho, ho, ho. Bye bye, Billy. Huh. Get the smell of tapioca. <laughs> Come on up, Santa's waiting. Attention, Higby shoppers. It is now nine o'clock. The store is closing. Nine o'clock. Great Scott, the store is going to close. Come on, come on. I don't think we're supposed to cut the line. We're getting troubled. Come on up. Santa can't wait all night. Up on Santa's lap. Ho, ho, ho. Aren't you a little old for a Santa kid? <laughs> well, hey there, Santa Claus. I'm Brian. Or do you prefer St. Nicholas? Or, or maybe I certainly wouldn't want to assume familiarities with you, Mr. Chris Kringle. Uh, and what do you want for... Well, Santa, I was hoping for some odorless orthopedic foot inserts for my hiking boots. And, if you were feeling extra generous, some used bandages for my collection. What the... I've always wanted to ask you. Following the Protestant moratorium on St. Nicholas, in Germany you became known by multiple different names and personas, such as Ruhl Klaus, Ashton Klaus, and Peltznickel. 
In these forms, you not only brought presents to the good boys and girls, but also conducted ritual whippings and kidnappings. We have a code red. Let's go, kid. Time to go. No! Unhand me! Father Christmas! What about the legends of Odin? Shut up, Brian. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Come down this slide. Let's get out of here. Hey, Shirley, just one more. Santa's hitting the bar. You're moving, kid. Quit dragging your feet. Ralphie! Uh, I want Ralphie! It's okay. She'll take me next. Ho, ho, ho! And what do you want for Christmas? We got a screamer. Okay, Merry Christmas. Get him out of here. See you later. Happy holidays. And with that, Randy was hurled down Santa's water slide, his fading screams vanishing into the chasm below. What about this one? Fine, just him. The rest can beat it. If one more kid pees on me, I'm going to fucking lose it. Come, kid. Let's go. Go? Uh... I always felt that later generations of Toth's products of less romantic upbringings, cynical non-believers in Santa Claus from birth, can never know the nature of the true dream. I was well into my 20s before I finally gave up on the Mothman, and I am not convinced that I am the richer for it. I had long before decided to level with Santa, to really lay it on the line, no kid stuff. If I was going to ride the skies with Captain Cosmos, then Santa Claus was going to have to get the straight shot from the barrel. Come on up! Ho, 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 ho! And what's your name, little boy? Time slowed. What day was this? Who was I? What is happening now? Uh, 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 uh. Hey, kid, hurry up. The store's closing. Come on, kid. I, um, uh. What do you want for Christmas, kid? Uh, my mind had grown blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was that I wanted. I, I was blowing it. Blowing it. Uh... How about a nice football? My mind groped. Football. Uh, football. Sure, sure. What the hell? Uh, what's a few more bruises and a concussion? Maybe Scott will hold the ball this time. Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Uh, yeah. Okay, get him out of here, down the slide. Merry Christmas! Ho, ho, ho! A football? Oh no, what was I doing? Wake up, stupid, wake up! Warm water surged in my face from Santa's water slide as my hands turned into determined talons, gripping the edges, fighting the raging rapids. This was my last chance. Uh, no, no! I want an official Captain Cosmos MIRB action Fatman tactical nuclear catapult with the spell that goes sting! What are you, nuts? You'll blow up your neighborhood, kid! Merry Christmas! Ho, ho, ho! Kick him! Feliz Navidad, kid! Down the chute I went, brought low by the fickle gods. I've never been struck by a bolt of lightning, but I know how it must feel. The back of my head was numb. My feet clanked leadenly beneath me as I returned to Earth. Ralphie? Yeah? Are you okay? No. Ralphie? Yeah, I'm a what? Yep. I vaguely remembered ice fishing with the old man one December weekend. 
the promise of a manly thrill that started with me plummeting through the ice up to my waist. A frigid, borderline hypothermic afternoon of misery. Why Higby's had a water slide going in December was an idea born from the mind of a homicidal madman. Did you tell Santa what you wanted? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what? Uh, did he ask if you were a good boy? No. <laughs> Don't worry. He knows anyway. He always knows. Maybe that was it. My mind reeled with the realization that maybe Santa did know how rotten I had been, and that the football was not only a threat, but a punishment. I could see that either my father or Santa, or perhaps both, were not content to let bygones be bygones. After dinner, we stood outside in the cold, as my old man pulled his Hail Mary pass to win the neighborhood lights and display contest. When he ran out of Christmas lights and had blown the budget on buying more, he turned to more abstract things like floor lamps and strobe lights. Are you ready? Two hundred and fifty strands of lights, one hundred individual bulbs per strand for a grand total of... 25,000 individual miniature imported Italian twinkle lights! 25,000! Can we hurry up, honey? I hope no one we know drives by and sees us standing in the yard in my nightgown, you know. Mom, I can't do the lights again. Fire it up, Dad. All right, all right. Plug them in, Ralphie. I dedicate this display to the Parker family Christmas, and, and we'll just see if Swede wins again this year. <laughs> Bomb? Shut up, Randy. B -b Drum roll. Uh, what? Drum roll, please. Oh, ah, uh, okay. There be light. Oh, son of a Language. Randy, did did you check those bulbs? Yeah, we both did. Randy, you didn't mess around with those plugs, did you? Oh, he's frozen solid again. Well, did you plug them in? Oh, for Christ's sake, you think we'd do all this and not make sure the extension cord was plugged in? Ralphie, go plug them in. Okay, got him. Now! <laughs> a pop of smoke and a brief whiff of ozone and the holiday glowed to life. Occasionally in some houses, a critical point was reached. This was years before the power rationing and riots that soon followed. I have often wondered if rationing would have been necessary if America hadn't adopted the idea of Christmas lights at all. But it was the season and... Gold! Gold and silver! Silver and gold! Wahoo! What? Get the hell out of here. This isn't your scene. Who am I? The name's Yukon Thorniglis, the greatest prospector in the North. This is my land, and you know, it's rich with gold. Gold! Gold and silver! Silver and gold! Wahoo! Now, where is that bumble? What is happening right now? Because... This isn't the scene with the magic snowman? Who's playing Rudolph? Sorry, that's me. Why am I such a misfit? I am not just a nitwit. I'm a deer of a reindeer. Why don't I fit in? We're live. Get the hell out of the scene. This is your script. 
Turn it out of that stupid machine. What draft are we on? I have 86 here. We're on 132. Unbelievable. This is the most amateur production I've ever been in. Amateur odd people get it together or I'm heading back to my trailer. <sighs> We're on 133. Now get the hell out of here, all of you. So we're not doing the island of rubbish toys either? No! I mean, not. But I, I don't think so. I, I can't remember how this goes. Sir, we are live. Oh, come on! Everyone out! Come on! The center! The center! Uh, back in character. Everyone breathe. Focus. Mm, the midden. The midden. Perfect! Oh goodness, look at the time. I hope Santa hasn't had to pass up this house because some boys weren't in bed when he came by. Yeah, well I, I heard some sleigh bells while back heading up the, uh, the other side of the street. What I'm trying to say is, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Don't! Up to bed, kids. <laughs> All right, you two, that's it. Up the stairs. On the double. Up, 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 up. Good night, Mom. Night, Dad. Good night. Oh, come on, Randy. Ralphie, before you go to bed, I left the paper on your desk. Paper? Is it my paper? Hush, you only read the sports and funnies. <laughs> I tore up the stairs. Maybe, just maybe, despite my letter never getting to him, the rejection at Higby's. Just maybe Santa was more than letters or words. Maybe Santa would know instinctively my heart's desire. Picking up the paper, the editor spoke to me from the page itself. Master Ralph Parker, we've received your letter in regards to questioning the existence of Father Christmas, and here's our response. In these uh, troublesome times, uh, quite frankly, such a question is nearly un-American to even contemplate. Look around you. We have senators involved in seditious conspiracies, promoting separatist ideas, and then disappearing like thieves in the night. And then there are communist-backed unions trying to tear apart our great nation and the companies that built her. Make no mistake, we here at the Charleston Herald have been monitoring these dire times and believe that our elected officials have only the best of intentions, keeping this great nation just that. Great. So, to answer your question, Mr. Parker, we open the floor to all of you. Yes, West Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He is real. He sees you when you're sleeping, when you're awake, and he knows whether or not you're a true American. And boys and girls of Appalachia, the real American Santa can be found at the Higby's downtown Charleston location, a convenient spot for all your shopping needs. Santa Claus this year is brought to you by Blamco Mac and Cheese. Blamco. It's what's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sincerely, the Charleston Herald staff. Another crummy commercial? A broken man. 
I tore the paper to pieces and readied myself for bed. Outside, I could still hear my mom and the old man talking. You need any help out here putting stuff away? Oh, no, I've, I've got all the help I need from a <laughs> bottle of old possum. Now, I'll be up soon. Don't stay out too late. I did it. <laughs> Alas, my dreams were not filled with sugar plums. And yet slowly, light filling the room brought me swimming back from a nightmare water slide and laughing the shields. The morning sun filled the room, amplified and reflected from the gnarled silver icicles that covered everything outside. Trees, wires, eaves, fences. Opening the window, I stared in rapt wonder at the Witter Wonderland Kingdom that Santa had brought in the night. Randy, come on, wake up! Wake up, it's Christmas! At Christmas? It's Christmas? Yeah! Mom and Dad, wake up! Some religious zealots wear hair shirts. Fathers get jolted awake by 5 a.m. by screaming kids. Oh, hey, shut up, Randy! Oh, so help me. I'm coming! I'm coming out, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. We tore downstairs as my mother calmed the waking bear that was our old man. Santa Claus had come. My brother circled around the tree, moaning softly, while I, cooler and more controlled, quickly eyed the mountain of revealingly wrapped largesse and knew the worst. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Uh, whoever is doing that behind the set, stop! Oh, wow! Look at this! Oh, wow! This is my shoe! And this one! <laughs> Lord, uh, my head. Uh, All right now, Randy, wait for Christmas to start. I want to play Santa. Randy, you were Santa last year. Ralphie, you do it. Hello, everybody. Oh, for Christ's sake. That was script number 92. Alistair, just roll with it. It's fine. Oh, oh. Oh dear, did I break wind? <laughs> Why, it's your... Uh, <clears throat> Why, it's your... Uh, Aunt Clara, boys. Say hello. Hi, I guess. What? Oh, that was fun. I love riding in cars. Why don't you sit down here, Aunt Clara? I should sit down. Yes. Over here? Yes! Is Ralphie still in the Brotherhood of Steel? This Christmas tree is smaller than your old one. Uh, why don't we open presents? Ralphie, go ahead. Where should I start? Well, give Randy a present. He's about to burst. Wow, is Zeblin? Wow! Christmas had officially begun. We plunged into the cornucopia quivering with desire and the ecstasy of unbridled avarice. This one is for little Ralphie. Oh, Aunt Clara, you shouldn't have done that. And Grace died 30 years ago. My God. Aunt Clara had for years labored under the delusion that I was not only perpetually four years old, but also a girl. Layers of paper torn aside, I was presented with a fluffy... 
that. I, I think this is supposed to be a bunny outfit, Alistair, in my script. What page are we even on? But just go with a diary. God damn it. Oh, that's so sweet. She wrapped out her damned cat. Shut up, Randy. And Clara always gives you the nicest presents. Try it on. See if it fits. Um, I don't want to. You try it on this minute. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Um, Ralphie? Ralphie, let's see. Isn't that sweet? Oh, he looks like him. A deranged Easter kitty. No, he does not. Yes, too. He looks like a goddamn fake nightmare. Aren't you happy wearing that? Do you want to take it off? All right, all right. You only wear it when Clara visits. Take it off. Boop, 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 boop. Play ball. Let's take it off, damn it. The Christmas Bacchanal continued. A tissue paper throwing, glitter paper showering display of capitalistic excess. Finally, it was all over. No more mysterious packages under the tree. Only a great pile of crumpled tissue paper, string, and empty boxes. Randy lay dozing amid the rubble. The Zeppelin clasped in one hand and a new fire truck in the other. I sat dejected on the couch with Mom, the old man, and Aunt Clara. God, would you look at that mess? <laughs> Who's going to clean that up? Randy. Yeah? Well, okay. Well, this, this wine ain't half bad. Well, it's not good either. You, you want to sit? Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> ah, well. Another Christmas. Did you get everything you wanted? Almost. Almost? Well, that's life. That's life. Say, don't I see something over there stuck behind the drapes? Why don't, why don't you go check it out? I looked up, too afraid to believe. I ran to the drapes, tearing them asunder and hidden there all along was a long, heavy, red-wrapped package. It was marked to Ralphie from Santa. Frantically, I tore the wrappings off. It's... it's... A Captain Cosmos Fat Man Tactical Nuclear Catapult. Uh, take it out of the paper, son. That's right. Blue steel barrel, graceful and taut, its metal, polished stock, gleaming like all the treasures of the Western world, more beautiful and malevolent than the pictures in the advertisements showed. You know how to load it? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Load up that uh, mini nuke. Oh, careful now, careful. I still think that thing is dangerous. That's right. That's right now. Pull the catapult. Uh-huh. I could hardly wait to try it out, but the instruction book said, in Captain Cosmos' own words, Kids, 
Never fire a fat man in the house. I never shoot anybody but bad guys, and I don't want any of my friends atomized. Now it is well known throughout Appalachia that the old man is a turkey junkie, a bona fide Gali Turkanis freak. A few days before Christmas, his eyes would begin to gleam with a wild and ravenous light. Every few hours, he would check his carving set to make sure the knife was honed and the fork tines sharp. All right, you try it out, but outside. And you be careful, Ralphie. I still say those things are dangerous. Make sure you shoot into an open field. I don't want the windows blown out. Yeah. And don't shoot any birds or animals either. Except the mumblesses and their blasted mole rats. <laughs> now hush, Ralphie, be careful. Oh, I gotta go check on the turkey. Of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. Wait for me. Hey, what, what's Ralphie doing out there? What? Huh? For heaven's sakes, it's not done yet. Now go read the funnies and let me work. Now it is well known throughout Appalachia that the old man is a turkey junkie, a bona fide Gali Turkanis freak. A few days before Christmas, his eyes would begin to gleam with a wild and ravenous light. Every few hours, he would check his carving set to make sure the knife was honed and the fork tines sharp. Outside, I stood in the clean air, ready to defend my homestead from the various marauders, space pirates, and evildoers of my fiendishly overwrought imagination. I alone would save the day. That's right, Ralphie. It's you and me now, son. We'll clean up this galaxy together. I pulled the trigger. Nothing happened. For one instant, I thought wildly, it doesn't work. We'll have to send it back. No, not like that. You need to depress the safety switch first. Pardon me, Lord Alistair. Are you out there? I would like to review a few script points with you for the finale noting several inaccuracies and retcons of the established story throughout this production. And Jesus wept, Carl. Why does that kid have a real fat man? We're live with this scene, Brian. Get the hell out of the way. <clears throat> Never fear, you strange terrestrial virgin street urchin. Cadet Ralphie has been fully versed in the safety of... We gotta go. You're on your own, Ralph. I knew then I was in bigger trouble than ever before in my life. I had indeed blown up the neighborhood. Oh, Lord, I'd be grounded until I was 30. If I was good, maybe my parents would let me out of my room to get married and then straight back to the clink. I think I mutated. My God, I mutated from rat exposure and had sprouted talons. As God is my witness, talons sprang from my hands. Be careful. Don't blow off the neighborhood! She hadn't seen. She didn't know. Rapidly, my mind evolved a, a spectacular plot. It would work. It had to work. Quickly, I worked up some fake tears to seal the deal. <laughs> Ralphie! Ralphie! Oh my gosh, what happened? There, there was some bull rats and, and they attacked me. And, and then the gun went off and the marmotes were, were yelling and I think they lit their house on fire. And then, and then there were these rats and 
that one's got claws. What? Oh my lord, Ralphie, you could have been hurt. Those mole rats are known to kill people. Come on up to the bathroom, I'll clean you up. We'll get you some rat away. <laughs> now there, there, see? Just settle down. You're really lucky. Here, hold this rag on it. There, see? No more talons. I had pulled it off. What's going on up there? Nothing. We'll be right down. And stay away from that turkey. It has to cook for another hour. You'll get radworms. Don't! That's fred him, does him, than a resin, resin stuff for him. I don't even know. Life is like that. Sometimes at the height of our reveries, when our joy is at its zenith, when all is right with the world, the most unthinkable disasters descend upon us. What's happening? We're under attack! Quick, Cuffy! Get your front man! Happy birthday! Aunt Clara, get down! This is my house. I have to defend it. This is it. Don't get scared now. I thought you say he was home alone, Harry. He thought they were supposed to go to Paris this morning. What? Which is... No, that wasn't in the final script. Someday, I'd like to be a dentist. What are you talking about? Insanity. It's fascinating. You have no idea. Molars, bicuspids, incisors? Don't you be fucking kidding me. Why am I such a misfit? I am not just a nitwit. You can't fire me, I quit. Seems like I don't fit in. No! We're not gonna hurt you. No. Uh, come on, kid. Open up. It's Santa Claus and his elf. That. None of this is supposed to be happening. Bonus? I cut out bonus this year. No, 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 no that's it. I've done... I've... I've thrown... <laughs> I can't do this. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't what it was like. None of this is what I saw in the film. In, in the broadcast. No, seriously, I'm done. I'm done. Sir. I mean it, Tarquin. None of this is right. This isn't... Christmas is all about? What message are we delivering here? This is chaos! All of this! Oh, what sort of idiot would schedule a live show on Christmas Eve? Only you, Alistair. But you're our idiot, so here we are. This is the most amateur production I've ever been in. This was not your best work, Skip. Try breathing it through your nose every once in a while. You're as charming as a Meyermark. You see? Arguing. Look around us. We're at the threshold of hell. Yes, but that's the point, isn't it, sir? Yes. What do you mean? The, the holidays are chaos. That's what makes them relatable. 
It's madness. It's stories told by the fireplaces and dangerously depraved relatives that are there every year anyway because they're part of the decoration as the table centerpiece. It's what we've been trying to tell you since you came up with the idea of doing all of this. But we didn't have the heart to fight you on it. The holidays are about shopping and until our cap stash is empty and crying about it for six months and doing it all over again. And why? Because we love the feeling of seeing the face of someone we love light up, trying to the best of our ability to give them their heart's desire. Something we rarely give ourselves license to do or even have the possibility of doing for ourselves. And because in this cynical, mad, mad world, it's the one time of year when we stop for just a moment of being involved with ourselves and look upon each other, loved one, friend or relative alike, and put them first. We didn't need to do all of this to deliver a message that simple. Sir, tell us again what you remember about that day you saw the movie when you were a kid. I, I remember the boy and his gift. No, not on the screen. Where were you? Who brought you there? <laughs> I was. Yes, yes. Yes, it was it was Christmas Eve. Mum and Dad, the old Colvega, always. The snow was coming down. I remembered the snowflakes. I was mesmerized by the way they flew towards us. And Dad skipping away into the night. The radio. Playing songs so quiet. Mum had an arm around me. She, she said what, what she was saying, it was, it was her favorite movie. How did you feel? I felt warm. And safe. And loved. <laughs> Yes, I remember. The lights twinkling downtown. The stormlets with their displays. The scent, scent, scent. Ringing the bell of charity at the door, I... I remember the crinkle of the seats in the theater. Oh, the buttery bubble. And the laughing. We were laughing. And they were... They were laughing with me. Mom, resting a hand on mine. And smiling. And then you lost her. Yes. She, she was taken from me. We've all lost people. But trying to recreate this? It was never about the movie, was it? No. We can't bring them back. No. But we can remember them. Our traditions. The ornaments on the trees. The recipes passed down. Right down to the not-to-be-broken-or-trifled-with 
very specific ritual of cooking the turkey or roast for that day. We got that from those lost or far from us now. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, any of them. While we all celebrate whatever belief we hold, the truest celebration on that day of those days is honoring in small ways everyone left behind. Our traditions and rituals are, are a monument to a memory, a candle we light every year. So we remember not just that perfect holiday from back when, but people with us who brought that moment to life. Yes, I see it now. It's our way of holding the memory of how we felt once upon a time when around the tables with the faces of those no longer with us, or those now far away in time and place. I love you, Mom. Dad. I never forgot you. We're uh, still alive, sir. Right. Yes, right. Frankly, sir, of course. Let us, let us finish this then. And to hand with the script, yes? Yes? All of us will improvise. Let us, uh, we'll pick it up from the ruin. <laughs> the ruin of Christmas dinner. In the character, come on now. Take it back. Method, method. Often? Damn more rats! Sons of bitches! Moses is! <laughs> the heavenly aroma still hung heavy in the house, but it was gone. All gone. No turkey. No turkey sandwiches, no turkey salad, no turkey gravy, turkey hash, turkey a la king, or gallons of turkey soup. Gone. All gone. The old man came as close to crying as I'd ever seen him. Get your coats. We're going to that that super mutant joint. We're gonna have meat by God. Don't want to eat with no mutants. They're scary. Oh, hush, honey. Graham is a nice super mutant. He'd hardly hurt anybody. Cook meat bags and lots of prime that Christmas would live in our memories as the Christmas when we were introduced to super mutant levels of meat consumption that gave us sweats for days. All was right with the world. Later that night, the old man and my mom sat together in the close and blessed darkness watching the snowfall. Silent night playing on our old radio. Honey, come look at this. That's beautiful. Charles. Beautiful. Upstairs, next to me in the blackness, lay my oiled blue steel beauty, the greatest Christmas gift I had ever received. Gradually, I drifted off to sleep, atomizing ducks and getting off spectacular hip shots.
As if by a miracle that evening, the satellite uplink held until the credits rolled. Despite the chaos of half-remembered holiday specials bleeding together. From the untamed wilderness of the Northern Commonwealth to the irradiated beaches of Florida that Christmas, TVs flickered to life as dwellers and raiders, settlers and survivors alike, watched and stopped and remembered those no longer with us, but always and forever living in memory and in the stories we tell around tables, trees, menorahs, or campfires. When American storyteller and humorist Gene Parker Shepard Jr. first penned the series of short stories that would later become a Christmas story, he never intended it to be a holiday classic. On its surface, it is, as Shepard writes and relates, a story of the unbridled avarice of the season. Ralphie hungers to be part of a secret club, only to discover it was a clever commercial ploy by Madison Avenue. The old man was obsessed with turkey, and in the end it was eaten by a pack of wild dogs. So why did it become a classic? Why do any of them? Time marches inexorably, unstoppably forward, cannot be boxed or bottled. These stories, these specials, these movies, rituals, and traditions are the tinder we use every year to light the Yule log burning fires of nostalgia. While time fades all, nostalgia burns brighter with each passing year. We cling, clutching close to it in the dark times, in the uncertain times. It is the metaphysical tether to all that we were in times that appeared simpler, but only because we were. Nostalgia, in all its smiles, tears, and the longing for another time and place, are always about how we felt, and our desire, our hunger, to feel that way again. It was never about Graham's recipe, or Gene Shepard's A Christmas Story. It was about the warmth, the love, and the undying memory of the faces close to our hearts. The truest holiday classics are happening right here, right now, with the friends you've made and even love you've found in Fallout and Gaming, and the hope that this community has given to people and sick children who will forever remember the kindness and love of people they've never met and probably never will. And so create your rituals and traditions, passing them on to children, friends, and family. This feeling doesn't have to come in December alone. It's the greatest lesson of all. From all of us here to all of you at home, in whatever form you celebrate this time of year, may your holidays be filled with light and love. Good night.